We're recording now in uh, start Cincy Brewcast 6101 uh, Listerman Live. Three, two. Good evening, everyone. Once again, this is Cincy Brewcast coming to you on the internet and on Periscope TV. My name is Mike Cisneros, and we'd like to welcome everybody out there that is joining us tonight all across the world. Fantastic new music there from our beer blogger extraordinaire and the man who is synonymous with anonymous, the gnarly gnome. Gnome, good evening. Good to be back. And from Brew River Gastro Pub down on uh, River, uh, Riverside Drive in Cincinnati, uh, your bartender server extraordinaire, Miss Tina Cisneros. Good evening, ladies. Ahoy, ahoy. Ahoy, ahoy to you. And we are live. We have done our first, we are doing our first live program. <laughs> we are recording live at Listerman Triple Digit on Dana Avenue in Cincinnati, Ohio. And we are so proud to be here. We are so happy that this is our first live program. And uh, we're really thrilled to be here. Uh, we were invited by Alan Molman, who is not, was not able to be with us tonight. But we are joined by the patriarch, the man himself, Dan Listerman. Dan, good evening. Hi, how are you? And we are also joined <laughs> by the head brewer of Listerman Triple Digit, Patrick Gilroy. Patrick, good evening. Good evening. And also uh, the man who's uh, involved heavily in the sales and distribution of the fine products of Listerman Triple Digit, Jason Brewer. Jason, good evening to you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having us. And uh, it's we have about uh, seven or eight folks in our studio audience. I'd like to uh, thank uh, JM for coming out, and Dominic, and uh, Lisa and Tom, Nancy and Angie. So uh, we're glad everybody could join us tonight. And the first thing that we always do here on the Brewcast is taste and drink. And we have been provided uh, by the fine folks here at Listerman with four uh, what look like delicious offerings. Now, you know, we're not, you know, some of the other brewers that we've dealt with, Braxton, Urban Artifact, uh, Dogberry, some of those guys, their beers are unknown quantities. I think a lot of the craft brew aficionados here in Cincinnati and around the state of Ohio have probably tried many, if not most of the, if not all of the uh, Listrim beers. And I'm myself, I'm, I'm no exception, and I know Tina's no exception, and I know Gnome is no exception. I've had uh, a whole bunch yeah, of that case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what we have uh, in front of us here, first of all, is uh, what is this first one that we have? in Cincinnati our little red. rack here this is the cincinnati red the cincinnati red ale five and a half percent alcohol uh international bitter bitterness unit of 20 and of course uh you know around this time of year everybody wants to come out with a cincinnati red baseball related uh brew and i want to um, try this one myself it's probably the most straightforward style beer that we have we don't really do a whole lot of things that are strict to guidelines but this one is right up there with being the most straightforward that <coughs> and it's just malty and yeah th this is a dry irish red uh we, we bring it out right around march just ready for st patrick's season but uh the uh the style itself lends itself to spring very well do you guys ever put this on nitro i think it'd be terrific um we have in in seasons past uh in, in our nature sometimes we, we just don't 
you don't remember or, uh, or uh, the, ni the nitro taps are already filled. You have to plan ahead of time to do nitro. Right. You can't do it spontaneously. Tell us about that. We have, also have two nitro taps here when you have beers like Chacao and Nutcase. You know, no that beer are, yeah. in the country is really yeah. going to push those off of, of right. a nitro tap. You have to carbonate it at much lower levels, so you have to consciously decide you're going to make a keg of nitro. Okay, so you just can't slap something on that's, uh, and put it on nitro and have it taste right or taste it the same? Behave right. Correct. Behave it's right. a slightly different conditioning process from normal carved beer. Well, I love it. I'm a huge Irish Irish red fan. I think one of, one of if not probably, the one. Of, it's one of the major, you know, gateway beers for everybody going into craft is Irish, Irish Killian's Irish Red which, you know, is something that, that a lot of people can deal with. And I don't think this is too far afield from that. A little bit stronger, a little bit more... More flavor. A, a little bit more flavor, yeah. Mm -hmm. but, but, you know, people who would drink that and would like that, you know, I don't think they would, they would be too far away from, you know, when, when, you, when you drink Some consider this. Killian's Red exotic. <laughs> Again, like I said, it's a start. It's a starter for a lot of people, you know, who who say I want a little bit more, a little more, a little bit more out of my beer, and uh, you yeah, know, I'll, I'll call it a gateway beer. Yeah, absolutely. In the, the midst of uh, a lot of great beers that tend to be maybe a little intimidating or unapproachable for somebody just getting into craft beer, but this is a beer that uh, any craft beer enthusiasts would enjoy, but also somebody who's probably not exposed to it as much would right. might may right. enjoy as well. Right. And that's important. That's something we've heard as a you know, theme time and time again is some of the is a lot of the brewers wanting to brew something that's accessible to people who don't normally or don't always drink craft beer. So see you were talking about putting that on nitro and I love the carbonation on it. I think that Oh I'm a big I carbonation agree. guy. I, think, I, I, I like carbonation. It, it, it's still real light and it, it, you know I think with that nitro, it tends to kind of coat the mouth more, and I, I like how clean this is. Mm -hmm. and that it I agree. Do I that. agree. I, re I recall the nitro making it go down a little too easy. <laughs> I could see it, and you didn't have the bubbles fighting you, and it was just kind of a sweet malt experience that uh, right. disappeared in a couple. Of right, steps. right. Next, we have the. This is uh, <coughs> Idle Mile. No, no. no. This, this is, is the Chacao. Oh well, this is. Sorry, a, I heard Idle Mile earlier. Yeah. This is. I, I, I guess I guess the one that started it all when it came to high gravity sort of you know yes sweetly. and no um, this is really where it took off uh, we, we tried a, a couple other um, beers like aftermath and they didn't really have the following that that Chacal does and I don't know if there's any beer in the, the city that has the following that Chacal does um, we really wanted it for, it was for our first craft Brewers Oktoberfest triple digit didn't have a fall beer so we made a it was meant to be a one-off let's just do this sort of thing can i tell them? i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> we made a we made a um a, a double brown and uh, there was just something not it was it was a good beer but it was something like something else could be added to it to make it a great beer and stumbled upon hazelnuts and and it just worked from there so it rocks oh, it's yeah. great it's and, amazing and then it 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 takes it's taken everything that you can throw at it and more as far as flavors additional ingredients oh yeah and, very and, very versatile and has become just i think it's a phenomenon i think it's it's got its own holiday it's I got mean. its own holiday <laughs> nationally recognized it, it has people lining up for it i think it's probably as it has as much cachet as 
Dark Lord or something like that. I mean, certainly in this in Cincinnati anyway. Uh, so, cheers to you guys. Thank for you. Yeah, we had something um, like this. this past Saturday. We had nine different chacals on, and so we had that and don't talk shit about Norwood in. Uh, so it was either do you want a chacal or do you want a pale ale? Oh, well, I was okay. too, so I, I, you have no excuse not to, <laughs> not to have been here. And then, and then this next one then is the uh, is the is the smash hit, I guess. Don't talk shit about Norwood when yep. you when you name a beer something like that, you're not messing around. Are the first you? question no. is no. who was talking shit about Norwood? Um, we can't take all the credit for this. I can't take any credit for this actually. Uh, there's a YouTube video that um, a couple of Norwood guys, yeah, made and and they posted and it's got over 33,000 views on on YouTube and and it's really funny and we all all three of us live in Norwood and so we found it humorous and named it that and we actually had uh, one of the creators of the video stop in and have a couple have a couple don't talk shit about Norwoods with us when we released it. It's a terrific awesome. pale ale. It's got yeah. great flavor. Uh, we forgot to mention that Chacal was a 10% uh, alcohol, ABV, and IBU of 30. Of 30. <laughs> and then the uh, Don't Talk already. Shit is uh, just 4.3, so rather low gravity. 4.2? Okay, 4.2. Well, yeah. my, my distance vision, I think, is because I'm looking right off the board over there. But uh, And then uh, 51, 31. 31 IBUs. IBU. So not, it's not going to melt your teeth, but no. it's it's there's enough there to know what it, know what it's talking about. No, and uh, based on how many of these ha- of these beers I had on uh, the release day, um, <laughs> it, it, it definitely is a beer fitting for the onslaught of humidity we've just had. De- uh, definitely, uh, definitely a Dana Avenue front porch kind of uh, Saturday afternoon after you cut the grass. Absolutely. Session beer. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, it features Falconer's Flight uh, hops, which is a proprietary hop blend from Hop Union, a hop broker. Uh, and it's a blend of um, some experimental hops and um, some West Coasty, just citrusy um, hops. So uh, the, the exact contents of the blend aren't di- divulged, but um, this is the first time we've used that hop exclusively in a beer. We've used it in conjunction with other hops but this features that hop plant uh solo well that's a good one and then finally we've got the uh this is the coffee barrel aged coffee ba- chacao. barrel aged coffee chacao so another chacao very many chacaos uh, this was aged in uh, willet rye whiskey barrels um i want to say eight or nine months uh, on those and then uh coffee uh from uh, coffee emporium coffee roasters here in town Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> oh, that's really good. Wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, throw down about you know, six the, more of those tonight. <laughs> the, the aroma, I get that, you know, that, that the whiskey booziness. right off. Right? Yeah, but but it, doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't but, attack your palate. But, that's just uh, what I like that's about really it. Good. Mm-hmm. But the oaky, you know, or and almost cedary, too, you know, I, I get... I smell that. Don't you get kind of a, you know, like a wrapped, cedar-wrapped cigar kind of smell out of that, uh, too? Yeah, uh, no. Being the cigar cigar aficionado you are. Oh yeah. Very very good. Very excellent. Well, that is that is what we've had from the beer fridge, and we will be um, 
or from the beer tap here at uh, Listerman's, uh, as we mentioned. And this one is the uh, again, is this the ten percent, or is it, does, Correct. does it kick up a little because it was it aged in the? And then uh, the same thirty IBU or thereabouts, but uh, tons and tons of flavor. So that's from the beer fridge. We thank uh, the guys from Listerman for uh, providing us with that. And um, so. Let's talk. I, I was thinking about something when I heard and uh, realized, uh, Dan, that you guys have been in the home brewing uh, supply business since 1991, in, in this location since 1995, brewing here at Listerman and and, uh, and, 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 and and putting out beers from here since 2008. Um, it, I think probably you and the Listerman family is, is probably the, the patriarch of craft beer here in Cincinnati. I mean, I would think that... I've been accused of worse. <laughs> I would think that just about everybody that is a craft brewer in this town has at one point or another set foot in your store I, I, for I, something. I would expect something along those lines. Uh, you know. um, uh, what... What do you think about that? I mean, is that I mean that's that's to me that's a great mantle to, to carry, you know, to be carrying. Honestly, for I haven't thought about it. <laughs> uh, it's it's a source of amusement mostly. Amusement? Yeah. Uh, that's an interesting sort of emotion. Why do you? Well, you just don't know Dan that way. <laughs> <laughs> to think that way. Right? Did you ever think it was going to be? Never, ever. Okay. No. No. My son asked me how did you, how'd you plan all this, Dan? <laughs> right, uh, let's get your business plan <laughs> and, and yet again you know everybody's set foot in here everybody you know everybody's been through uh and and heard from you tips and tricks of the trade and how to do it and 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 so we've been here for a long time and we think yeah. we know what we're doing yeah well i mean the beers prove it uh and um you know, tell us a little bit about the beginning. Tell us about, you know, what got you in. I always like to ask it's people what. Story. What <laughs> I, I always like to ask people what their road to craft beer is. What their road to, uh, you know, home brewing and craft I beer. I went to school at Miami University, and one day I walked into a drugstore in 1973, and I saw a bag on the shelf and beer kit. It was illegal at the time. Right. And it was a pound of malt, crushed malt, an ounce of hops, and instructions. And you were supposed to take all this and boil it up with five pounds of sugar and a packet of cool five it down, pounds five pounds of sugar, sugar. <laughs> cool it, uh, and put it in a brand new garbage can with a packet <laughs> of Fleshman's bread yeast. Mmm. Uh, yeah, <laughs> oh, wow. Hydrometer had a big B, red B on it, and you were supposed to bottle it when it got to the B, a B for bottle. Uh -huh. Most of them, well, a good portion of them blew up. Some of them, <laughs> all of them sprayed the one to beer in the And I did that about four or five times, and I gave up on it. Uh, I had one guy choke down a whole quart of it. In the <laughs> that was college, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, fast forward about 13 or 14 years, and my old roommate Johnson calls me up one day. He's really responsible for this mess, Brian Johnson. And he said, let's, let's make some beer. I go, Johnson, you don't want to do that. And uh, so my brother and I went up there, and we made some beer, and it came back and bottled it, and it was really very good. Uh -huh. And so I started making my own beer, and that was in uh, 87, I think. Okay, yeah. And um, went, you know, homebrew thing, homebrew thing, homebrew thing, right. and uh, started getting unhappy with some of the equipment out there, the bottle fillers. When you put 
fill a bottle up. When he took it out, it sucked in two inches of air, which I've later found to be fairly harmless. But at that time, I thought that was important. So one night at a bar, I designed a bottle filler that didn't do that. Wait, was it really a bar, or what was it actually? It was a strip joint. <laughs> okay. A titty bar is still a bar. Good point. Uh, but I designed one in my head that night. I came home, I drew it up, and then made one the next day, and I thought, wow, that wasn't too hard. I can do a lot of those if I want to. So I did a bunch of them, gave my friends, and uh, Mrs. was very supportive and we invested about a thousand dollars in raw material and started making bottle fillers in the basement and uh, it progressed there was a lot of little things that were lacking in all grain brewing and I, I built uh, designed things louder tones sparge arms things like that and uh, when I was working on a mill I decided that my job either either the business or the job I had to go and I thought <laughs> it would be easier to get an engineering job than it would be to found a new business so I that's always been my goal in life. My grandfather had a tool and die shop. I always admired him greatly for that. And uh, so I thought, I'll, I'll take this chance and go. And the wife has been very supportive all these years. And it worked. We worked out of the Hamilton County Business Development Center for three and a half years. And I, I decided I need, the Cincinnati needed a better, real t- real, a better retail, homebrew retail store. So I asked them to help me find a building where I could do, do both the manufacturing and the uh, and do retail and they, they helped me find this building they helped me finance it no small task and I, I bought it in august 2nd we'll be here 20 years wow wow that's, that's big plans for the anniversary i wanted to burn the mortgage but the white <laughs> So we may burn a copy of the mortgage yeah. there you go <laughs> effigy if you will <laughs> well you know, a lot of the brewers that we talked to, up, you know, up to this point have talked about, again, how important family is and how important it is to be supported. Uh, when, when did you, uh, you've been brewing all along, but when did you decide, when did you decide it would be a good idea to brew your own beer and the, start the putting, selling it to the public? And one lady, one day a lady called me up and she wanted to know how to sell a brewery. How to sell a brewery? A brew house, yeah. Uh, and she was in Middletown, and she explained what she had. And I said, well, I'd like to see that. <laughs> so I drove up there, and I bought a two-barrel system from her. It was, a, it was a, from a token brewery on, uh, at Port Clinton. And the, tr- the fellow was trying to manage his uh, bar out of his house in Middletown. Oh, I see. <laughs> so yeah, it didn't yeah. work well. And so we got that, and I screwed around with it for a couple of years. And uh, the, the manufacturing part of the business was lagging a lot we weren't for our effort we weren't making much money at it anymore so i thought well here we can get a brewing license and i got a brewing license in it that waffled for a long time uh, i saved it uh one fall uh the wife said she wasn't going to pay for the li- four thousand dollar license at the time and i said sweetie sweetie we have fourteen thousand dollars worth of beer in the back that we can't sell without that <laughs> license <laughs> Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Yeah, right. right. And uh, so she quickly did the math and uh, figured that that wasn't going to work. Then we, that about three or four months later, we hired Kevin. And Kevin was a real goose to the brewery. He brought Kevin Moreland, uh, now Taft to Ale House, right. uh, brought uh, his marketing skills from Moreline to us, and then I gave him a brewery. And right. so it worked out very well for us. Right. 
and and tell us about some of those first beers, some of the first ones that you guys did, some of the you know some of the. Uh, you mean you like, said Cincinnati? Like one hundred eighty-six thousand miles per second malt liquor. <laughs> Get you there Yum. faster than the speed Absolutely. of light. Absolutely. Yeah. What was the uh, what was the ABV on that? that was bad about boy? ten. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> There was a mild, the though, too. Yeah, wild, mild. A, the yeah, wild, mild yeah, was delicious. That. Yeah, yeah. Cream ale, yeah, IPA. The cream ale. Yeah, the Stout. IPA. Yeah. Stout. yeah, we did it. The, uh, the, uh, we just had some of that today. Where did that oh, go? you open it? Yeah, yeah Kurt opened Kurt it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was that called? Beef Trust. Beef Trust. Yes. My, my Beef great, Trust? Beef Trust? Yeah, my great-great-grandmother uh, and her sisters were known around Mount Healthy as the Beef Trust. Why? <laughs> they, were, they were big women. <laughs> wow, okay. So obviously an excellent name for a beer then, I guess. I think I want to name my next dog that. Yeah. <laughs> or my next steak dinner. <laughs> that we, were, wow. we weren't doing very well until Kevin came along, really. Yeah. And then he and then he sort of had some of the ideas and then oh yeah 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 and he brought the marketing and the, the all kinds of things that I lacked to the table uh-huh. very nice uh-huh. uh, the sort sort of Damocles was always hanging over our head about him leaving we always knew that he could leave and do what right. he did the task right it's okay it, well I mean, <laughs> I mean and and uh, one of my I mean one of our first interviews uh, that I did was with Mike Dewey and uh, from Mount Carmel and. You know, he's sort of developing kind of himself. Uh, I call it a Bill Belichick, a tree of brewers or whatever, because he sent several brewers out to various, uh, Patrick Ian Clark, even as far as Sweetwater down in Atlanta. So you must, do you feel that sort of same fathership or whatever of Kevin and, and what and I'm what told I, to I should I'm <laughs> <laughs> well he had very Mike Dewey had a very similar yeah. answer as yeah. well you yeah. know yeah. He, he said the same thing he said well I guess I guess I should if they're going to throw you know a guy into a three million or four million dollar brewery and have him come in and work you know I must be doing something right three or so, four million well, I, I, I think that's a little ten. low. <laughs> ten million, whatever. Eight million. He said eight million. I, I think he. I think he said eight million. Who are you talking million. about, Kevin? Yeah. Oh, it's. Uh, I heard nine. I don't know. Yeah. Eight. No. <laughs> Difference between three and eight might not seem a lot when you talk about millions. <laughs> what What's your take, Dan, on the on? And again, we're we're joined by Dan Listerman, Patrick Gilroy, and Jason Brewer. We are live at uh, Listerman Brewing Company here in Cincinnati, and we're so glad you're joining us here on Cincy Brewcast. Uh, uh, what is your what what is your thoughts on just the just the explosion of the of the industry and of the business and it's fascinating to watch. Um, I feel Patrick's from Portland, so he knows we people worry about saturation, and Portland's about the size of Cincinnati. And they have how many breweries? 60, 70? City proper, I want to say it's just about sixty. Yeah. About sixty, wow. yeah. So there's uh, there's a lot of room for slightly larger population, but right. When it comes to um, I look at I look at the Bud Light drinkers out there as a you know a forest to be harvested. It's my favorite quote they're, in the they're world. All, yeah. They're all out there and and they don't know any better yet, but they will. You don't you don't ever hear somebody say, yeah, I used to drink that craft beer crap, but I <laughs> I went back to my Bud Light. You don't hear that, do you? No, you don't. You do no. not hear that. That's not something that you hear in, in beer drinking circles a, a lot. Um, so you don't think there's any 
sort of there's a there's a starting to be a bit of a comp- competition for people <laughs> oh for 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 so even getting into the industry on the well, on the business end and on the brewing they're, they're, they're end head, so, headhunting my people <laughs> i see i see oh yeah uh we've lost three well two on the brewery one on the store yeah yeah but uh, I, I think if you were to walk into Silicon Valley right now in Same San Francisco, thing. Yeah, and right. tech sector. Well, it's good to see yeah. Cincinnati State and uh, Mount St. Joe uh, stepping up to the plate and training people. That, that's that's right. wonderful. Before that, it was, uh, you know, University of uh, California, Davis or uh, Siebel. Weinstefan? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think from the saturation standpoint, though, uh, I think the caliber of breweries is going to be a lot different moving forward. We'll have a lot more breweries, but they're all—they're not, not all going to look like what we now recognize as Great Lakes and Bells. Um, these craft breweries that are very well established, very well distributed. There's just going to be a different caliber of brewery. There's going to be, yeah, we went from a thousand to now 3,200 breweries as of this year, but um, a lot of those are going to be neighborhood. Joints. Well, I mean, your neighborhood coffee shop is that uh, we talked with uh, Bob Bob Bolas at Fibonacci, well, and we talked to uh, case in point. Yeah, yeah, we've talked to uh, the darkness, the guys from Darkness last week, and we talked to the guys from Dogberry, and that's what it seems to be. And you have that vibe going here. Yeah. I mean, oh, you're yeah. very popular, and you're in all the bars, and you distribute very widely, but you still have that 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 neighborhood feel yes. here. Yeah, we're right here on Dana Avenue near Xavier University, so as widely as Dayton right now. With uh, yeah, we drive up to Dayton about once a month. I wouldn't say we're too. I mean, I don't know what your definition of widely distributed is, but well, well I mean, you can get it in any you can get it in any bar that cares to carry it here in Cincinnati. Let's well, not that every way. bar will carry our beer. There's no, so but I mean that cares to carry it. In other words, yeah, right. You want to name some names? The '90s when the the brew pub craze hit. It was a crapshoot what you'd get. You'd go to a bar and, and you didn't know. There's a good chance you'd get a bad beer in a 50-50, whatever. I got to say now, uh, that is unusual. You don't find problem brew pubs uh-huh. anymore. Right. It's my, I, I've got a major league exception. It's not in this town, but not far. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, you, don't, you, but you don't find that problem anymore. And that was one of the problems, I think, in the 90s. The, the breweries, for example, there was a brewery in Dayton where the brewer got his training in the swimming pool business. <laughs> you know, you know, pumps, yeah. you know, hoses. Chlorine wheat. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Chlorine wheat. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, so what's on the horizon for you guys, beer-wise? and We're expanding a tasting room. Right. We're going to knock out these walls and expand all the way to uh, Newton. Okay. The road. Yeah. Excellent. More taps? Uh, uh, probably. Probably, probably yeah. yeah. Nice. Brand new, up-to-date 2015 bathrooms. Yeah. <laughs> now, I've, I've got a gripe with that. It cannot be completely up-to-date because I need that urinal We need back. the, the urinal. <laughs> the urinal. going to be difficult. Uh, We're working on that. Yeah, Just, yeah. like, frame the urinal in the tap. No, no, no. Somewhere. It will Just be like... used again. It will be used. We may have to buy a regular urinal for the inspection, but... <laughs> Uh, after that, it's you know. And then what? And then what about what about production for a 
for a town that's become increasingly thirsty for chikaos and of many different kinds. And now oh, all of us now don't talk shit about Norwoods. And I mean, I mean, year, month over month, quarter over quarter, we've made <coughs> more beer than the quarter or year before. And I think that's just kind of the organic pace mm-hmm. we'll, we'll keep. Um, uh, one for our own sanity and well-being, but also just for the uh, the uh, the safety of it. It's nice not having a lot of capital over your head when it comes to deciding what beers we're, to make. We're turning more toward the tasting room aspect of the business than we than the distribution. Uh, that's that's where the, a, a lot of the money is in this business, and we're and we're looking at that. We'll, we'll get the tasting room uh, expanded up to date. And then we're going to then we'll talk about increasing the capacities. And we've heard that from, again, namely, you know, Mike Dewey at, at Mount Carmel. He was dragged for hit to his, to, you know, to, the way he said it, kicking and screaming to the taproom. Is that right? All he wanted to do was do the uh, was do the distribution and yeah. sell the growlers, and then follow that with the. That's uh, a real bottles. revelation when you and, saw and, see the markups and, on the taproom. And and and. and, and uh, he, he he was shocked that people wanted to come to the brewery and drink beer. He said it was an experience that people had had, like in Oregon or or in Michigan or whatever, and they expected it. They expected to have it here in Cincinnati, here in Ohio, and and so reluctantly they got involved in that. Well, so. that was a revolution when they allowed us, like the wineries always had, to sell our own product at our own store. That was really a revolution. That really changed the whole ballgame. It used to be that um, it, it was a, a month, was no, there a problem. Keep going, keep going. You're fine. It, you're it fine. used to be. It used to be that there were two models. There was the uh, microbrew model, and there was the uh, brew pub model. Now there's the tasting room model, which is which is really taken off. It's 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 offered. That's 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 really what's caused this, yeah. all these breweries to pop up. That and reducing the license fee from four thousand to one thousand dollars. Right. 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 Okay, I'll tell you what. We'll hold that thought. We'll have more with Dan Listerman, Patrick Gilroy, and Jason Brewer uh, right after this from Brewhouse Dogbones. You're listening to Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. Hi, everybody. Mike Cisneros here, and as a craft beer lover, you want the same thing I do, the finest in handmade lagers, ales, and stouts. But do you take the time to think about whether the same care and attention has been given to the treats you feed your dog? Well, I'm here to tell you about Brewhouse Dog Bones, made from the same wholesome malted barley that you'll find in the delicious beers from many of Cincy's finest craft breweries. Brewhouse Dog Bones are handmade in small batches using just three additional natural ingredients, peanut butter, organic eggs, and brown rice flour. So you know your best friend is enjoying almost the same great craft experience that you do. And Brewhouse Dog Bones are not only good for your dog, they're good for our community because they offer real-world training and a work co-op experience for developmentally disabled young adults ages 14 to 22 through the New Richmond, Sycamore, Marymount, and Oak Hills school districts. Brewhouse Dog Bones are available in the distinctive brown paper sacks with a red dog bone at some of Cincy's finest craft tap rooms, including Mount Carmel Brewing Company, Listerman Triple Digit Brewing in Cincinnati, and Old Firehouse Brewing in Williamsburg and great pet stores like Newtown Feed and Supply and Earthwise Pet Supply in Montgomery. For more information about Brewhouse Dog Bones, to carry Brewhouse in your taproom or pet store, or to find out how your school district can participate in the Brewhouse Dog Bones program, 
Just contact Lisa Graham by visiting www.brewhousedogbones.com. Give your dog the craft experience with Brewhouse Dog Bones. And welcome back to Cincy Brewcast uh, here live, sorry, from uh, Listerman Brewing in Cincinnati, Ohio. I, we're being joined by, uh, by Dan Listerman, the owner and brewmaster, uh, Patrick Gilroy, the head brewer, and Jason Brewer, who... Is not why a brewer. Would you not, he was not a brewer. Why, but why, that, how, that is how Jason David Brewer, Jason D. Brewer. Jason, Jason D. Brewer. <laughs> And, and part of the reason we're here, just to mention, uh, we talked about, brew, uh, we just had the spot from Brewhouse Dogbones, and part of the reason we're here is because Alan Molman uh, joined us in our uh, show two shows ago, uh, all about uh, Brewhouse Dogbones and the great work that Lisa Graham is doing over there. And, uh, and Dan and the Listerman Brewing Company was one of the first to, uh, to, to get on board with that, and we, we just think that's terrific of you and and just speaks of the way that you guys uh, want to deal with the community Lisa's a lot of fun she is a great lady uh, she's an absolute dynamo an absolute yes. fireball of and 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 uh, she's got she, in less than a year she's got that program going and it's really amazing so anybody every anybody and everybody out there uh, buy the bones uh, and support uh, brew house dog bones uh, right now we're going to get on board with our <coughs> one of our big departments here on Cincy Brewcast and it's called Asked and Answered and we're going to have to come up with a you know really cool like gavel with banging the, with a gavel banging or with the uh, with the law and order little uh, you know ding, the ding. ding ding thing that the law and order does uh, but we uh, and, and we're taking we actually took a week off uh, two weeks ago we asked the question uh, what is the name of your craft brewery and uh, we had some uh, we had some responses uh, from some friends of ours. Uh, first of all, uh, our friend Shane Brammer uh, mentioned. He said, "Well, I stole the name of a defunct brewery from my home brew for my home brew brand and call it Blue Hen Brewing." Uh, and he said, "If I couldn't use that, I'd probably try to buy the rights to Red Top or Felsenbrow, which are two classic Cincinnati." My great grandfather Louis Listerman was the head salesman for Felsenbrow. There you go. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Uh, I, he says, "I guess I have a thing for out of business breweries." Now, one of the funniest ones we got was, of course, from the Mrs. Uh, Nancy Cisneros. She wants to start. So she wants to start a brewery called Menopause Mamas. Yeah. <laughs> What's that all about? With uh, with 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 beer names including Hot Flash Hefeweizen, Raging Bitch Porter, Insomnia IPA, Get Out of My Face Goza, and finally the See You Later Ant Flow Irish Red. Disgusting! Ale. That is so foul. And then another one of our friends, uh, Jen Jen Lina Clausen, also added her. Uh, she would like to be an investor in Nancy's Brewery and said she would like to add Old Broad Stout to the lineup. Uh, old, Scott old Brown. Stout Broad, yes. maybe? Old, old Stout. Old, what did I say? Oh, you said Old. Oh, shit. Well, no, but I just made a joke. Well, I'm on so. my third, uh, my third uh, don't talk shit about Norwood. It happens so. in the best families. Uh, Old Broad Stout. Uh, Scott Lau, who joined us uh, as we were on the air, uh, thanks for coming, Scott. He's uh, He's got Small Frame Brewery, and I've enjoyed some of Small Frame Brewery's fine beers. Uh, Patrick Ian Clark, who I mentioned before, former brewer at uh, Mount Carmel, who's now at Sweetwater Brewing in Atlanta, uh, mentioned that his would be ex-Amish. Brewing company, and if 
if you've ever seen pictures or know Patrick, he's, you know, he looks a little that way. Uh, Lisa, <laughs> Lisa and her lovely, her, Lisa and her, hus her lovely husband, uh, Tom Vanderloo, are in the audience tonight. Uh, Tom calls his uh, Vanderbrew. And then uh, our friend Jeff Reynolds uh, mentioned uh, he, he wanted to change, he wanted to make his Roy Rogers Brewing, which I can hear the lawyers on the phone now. And, and then his high gravity selection, just like Listerman's, they've got, you know, Listerman's in triple digit. His is called Bald Man Brewing, his high gravity uh, selections. Uh, Angie Cisneros says hers is 7030 Brew Works. 7030? No. Mine's not that exciting. It's the gnarly gnome, gnome brewing company. I mean, it's. <laughs> <laughs> um, mine is Dead Bat Brewing uh, because I, my favorite animal is the bat. I happen to own a dead bat in a jar, and I think that's all we really need to. Uh, that's all we really then, need to say about it. And then it. there was a there was a baseball connection too, and the right and because, the first right. the first we wanted one to I do broken bat brewing. The first one I suggested to her was uh, was a uh, was a blood orange goza, and the name of it was going to be Suicide Squeeze. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yep. our, our our brewery that we did what did. did to get going when I, my roommate and I did that it was what, the the wort smelled like a wet beagle, <laughs> so we called it wet beagle wet brewing. Beagle. <laughs> that's still alive today. That's still right, alive yeah, today. That's still, yeah, that still works in, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, I don't have one. I mean, I really came up with. I a, cannot believe. I you really don't have came one. up with. I really came up with a blank on mine. I really came up with a zero. Blank slate. Uh, well, that's 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 taken. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, uh, did you and Patrick? Did you mention? The, the oh, I mean, Saccharomyces is my homeboy. <laughs> brewing. <laughs> uh, or uh, Kevin Kevin Smith shout out with uh, malt rats. <laughs> that malt rats. That's Very good. good. That's pretty good. I like that. So anyway, that's that's our question from that's our question from last week. Uh, the question for this week is. And I want everybody to think about this and respond to us at Cincy Facebook on or Jesus Cincy Brewcast at Cincy Brewcast on Twitter. Cincy Brewcast is the Facebook page. What else? Where else? www.cincybrewcast.com. You can reply in the contact us section. Our email address is cincybrewcast at gmail.com. And the question this week is pretty straightforward, and I don't know if I can tell you mine. What is the worst beer you've ever had? And it is fair to name names, and it is. Please do. And please do, and it is, it, it is important to name names. And I've got mine. I've got a whole story behind mine. So uh, that is the question for this week. What is the worst beer you have ever had? Uh, so anyway, that's asked and answered. And, and if it's Listerman's, keep it quiet. I would appreciate that. I very seriously doubt that. And uh, right now, uh, in uh, sort of in in uh, in a uh, in a nod to that uh, in a nod to that um, into in a nod to ask and answered, uh, we want to invite our guest uh, Tom Tom Vanderloo of Vanderbrook. <laughs> My question for Dan, uh, when we were when you were talking about the future of the uh, of the brewery and the tap room expanding the tap room, my question was, are you going to lose focus on the the supply, the homebrew supply well, side not. of the business? Uh, we're moving it to the middle of the building. Uh, it might be broken up in a number of different rooms, but we're, we'll probably finish finish that this week. 
the wine's already there, the grain's already there, and then we'll start working on moving the rest of the, of the stuff into that room. Tell us about tell us about the home brewing. Is it is it as popular as it ever was? I, is I it think getting it is. West? It's probably a little bit more. Um, the wonderful thing about the homebrew world is it's counter cyclical. I love a recession. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, makes a lot of sense. I didn't believe that when I first got into the business. They all talked about it, and I thought, uh, not really. But now I believe it because every time there's a little dip in the economy, our business goes way up, and I think it's because there's. It's a, it's a relatively inexpensive hobby. Mm-hmm. You have to buy your beer anyway, and it's a lot of fun. It's something families families can do together. And Husbands so you can and share wives, it among your friends. You, don't have, you, know, you can share it with your kids, right? absolutely, or with it's your difficult friends. difficult to absolutely. share stamp collecting. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so let's talk about what's going on. Beer wise, coming up, you what do you what do you Patrick and uh, and Jason? What do you guys have in your heads? In your, I heard you guys talking about some stuff when we were in our break and discuss that. Uh. Yeah, I mean, uh, we we're just about ready to pull out a, a nice, I guess, Bohemian Pilsner. Um, we we brewed one last year. Uh, it didn't see much market because uh, we brewed it for a specific. Uh, contract that took it, um, but uh, I, I can always go for a great pilsner, so that that'll be out soon enough. Um, the beat half of Ison beats me. We'll be making a, a, a <laughs> oh, comeback. Wow. Uh, we debuted that last year so after good. Dan approached me with beats. Just a bag of beats. Is that how it is that how it happens well, here? Well, my, my brother, my brother gave me a jar of pickled beets that I ate half of one night got up and urinated pink in a panic you can't make this up in a panic I called my brother whether I should go to the ER or not we need it, to have Dan on every show he assured, he assured me that that was the beets and I thought that would make a nice addition to a beer and I, I said make the something with this yes and uh, they I said, make something with beets, and they came up with a hayfights, and I thought, well, that's wonderful. That's a wonderful idea, and it turned out to be very, it's pink. Yes. yes. It's good. So that'll be back soon enough. I know, it's weird. Well, and, and the coolest part about that beer is um, we incorporate the beets into the mash. Okay. Um, so that the state step one brew day. Um, the sugar is converted. The, the, yeah, the, the sugar is converted to color, the magenta. Um, going into the boil kettle and upon boiling, it's beer's gold again uh-huh. it goes in the fermenter gold post fermentation wow. it is then again pink that's weird that's so really, the, 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 is, yeah. the ph shifts throughout i was gonna the, say the, the yeah what is process, the science behind that um turn the beer into kind of a mood ring uh, <laughs> of, of color. but uh um that that's a beer well the half of ice and style best served fresh um so we always made small batches of it and ran out every couple weeks um, because the color will continue to change throughout the beer um, aging and uh, loses its uh, red pink luster. So better, so, so better fresh. But that style is, was perfect for that. Very uh, drinkable, yeah. highly drinkable. Right. Um, uh, hopefully, uh, getting a couple more sour mashes. That was my next question. Uh, this this summer, uh, definitely a Berliner Weiss, um, possibly fruited. Um, and I, I still want to, to sour mash an IPA, so there may be a sour beagle 
among us at, at some point. Um, other than that, uh, a lot of our beers become beers um, on, on, on the moment's notice. Uh, so the luxury of having a, a brewery in a homebrew supply shop with an awesomely deep inventory is at the drop of a hat we can brew just about any style of beer that we feel like. Because we've been, we've been asked, asked that by a lot of our by a lot of our listeners is they, they are, they're interested in the process yep. of recipe development and I've asked a lot of brewers what's your process of recipe development and I don't really get an answer is that why just because it happens so much on the spur of the moment and depending well, you, on what you look what at ingredients are available of the style that are published in brew books and magazines and things and you get us focus pretty quickly on the ratios and what belongs in it, and then from there you decide, well, I like a little bit more this way, or I like a little more that way, or whatever the heck, and that's how it develops. And then there's the inherent character of your specific brew house that's going to be, this beer is going to taste this way because of our, the variables we work with that are different from this brewery, that brewery, can take all the same ingredients, same hops, same yeast, put it in two different brew houses, and you'll most likely end up with Two different beers, right? Um, which is why when I've noticed a lot of beers, uh, breweries go into contract brewing and offsite brewing. There's definitely some character shifts that occur within those beers, and they may or may not be the beer that you liked when it was brewed here sure. versus offsite. Sure. I, I mean, I think that's one of the things that, uh, when we talk to the folks over at Braxton ahead of their opening in our what, second or third show uh, that 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 Richard Dubay talked about that. You can get a really good beer at a lot of, you know, at a lot of brew, brew pubs and tap rooms and things like that. But when it gets farther away from the brewery, the quality is harder to maintain, and the the you know the beer changes. So, and and that's something you guys keep a obviously keep a real tight rein on, I guess. Yeah, and that's more for our our sanity and our discomfort level. Right. It, that is, I've read more and more in the recent months. One of the biggest, um, I guess, uh, setbacks the craft brewing industry may face will be stale beer. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, just everyone wants a lot. They want the, the, the bottle shops and stores want the quantity. They want the availability. But uh, there's a lot of training and the rotating the beers for, through the distributor, then through the, the grocery store, the bottle shop. Um, that a lot of the hot, highly hot beers don't hold up well. Over time, they start to get a sherry-like oxygen. This is why we don't bottle IPAs or hop beers. Uh, well, tell us a little bit about that. I mean, that's something that you really, Jason, have to keep your eye on as far as when you're involved in the sales and the distribution and so Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we have an entire business. We have, what, six full-time people here, for including the homebrew shop and the brewery. So that sort of thing is really difficult to be able to be everywhere at once. Um, but we've always felt, you know, uh, we don't do... We basically don't we don't do what other breweries do every brewery is going to canning we have screen printed bottles and they look absolutely fantastic right and you know every brewery's packaging an ipa gotta get their ipa out there and we will never package our ipa never ever. say never we will never <laughs> package our ipa ever and that's maybe the sour mash one but um you know it's just it's just kind of you know there's there's way too many options for that one thing out there and that it's going. You're going to have bad product on shelves because it's going to. There's so many options out there. It's going to sit Ran there longer than you want to. Somewhere. And it's it's really releasing it from your control, and you don't have any control over how well it sells at at certain places unless you're there, 
right. shopping at Kroger, be like, if someone's looking at the IPA shelf, and you're like, oh, that Listerman's one's good, wearing like a Mad Tree shirt. I'm like, oh, that Listerman <laughs> one's good, and just keep walking and hoping that someone keeps some, picking some, up some your plants. beer. Some right. yeah. I do that all the time. Yeah, I can tell. You're probably, you're probably a pimping Listerman beer over there wearing what you're wearing, and it works. I, yeah. I, have a, I have a stance about T-shirts and things like that when you're at a brewery. I think it's like a concert. You don't wear the shirt or the hat to the brewery that you're at. You have to wear somebody else. And it goes it goes around. I'm no. not wearing this. Braxton, Braxton, Braxton this sweatshirt and a Mantry hat. Yeah. Noam is wearing the Braxton sweatshirt, the Mantry hat is uh, Dan Lynch, and then Tina is pimping his way to the Listerman. I wore my Listerman shirt to the Listerman brewery because it's it's, I, I'm supportive. I appreciate <laughs> it. I, yeah. And yeah. as the host, I try to remain neutral, although there are not a whole hell of a lot of craft beer t-shirts out there that fit me. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm wearing my green golf shirt with my green shorts trying to match. So uh, so we're, we're, you're talking about bottled beers and things like that. You're talking about not doing what other breweries do. Like, So does that mean you know, sour mash is, is wonderful, but... Are you going to ever get into lactobacillus and bread myces um, and some, some, some really fun sour beers that age really fun? That's but, difficult yeah. sometimes to keep things separate after right. you start that. Cross-contamination and, and, is a real issue. And that always comes up as conversation number one, the facilities. The actual geography of your brewery, do you have the, the infrastructure to, to successfully maintain sours and successfully maintain your, your regular ale and lager program? And but in it, the middle of an expansion, it's a great time In the middle of an ask. expansion, but um, I mean, geographically, we, we have a pretty large structure. Uh, but when you go and, and see breweries not just building off-site locations for sours, but now breweries opening, focusing specifically on sours, um, for the care and attention those delicate beers need in time, um, luckily, because of the saturation of the craft breweries, the, beer, the breweries that are, excel in those, and that's their wheelhouse, that's their expertise, um, they'll continue to do those and, and, and perfect those. So while I would absolutely love to tomorrow brew a Lambic, that's just probably not something that, that we'll focus on. But sour mashing, um, where the, the entire souring process occurs in that first stage of, of the brewing process, um, it, it's relatively manageable for us. You guys have had such a great success with with bottle releases and, and bottled yep. beers. People want to get them in their house, and they change, and they're fun. You know, like sour mash doesn't really change all that much once it's in a bottle. So well, that's, uh, that's why. Yes, yeah, no. So uh, when it comes to, well, be, because the sour mashing process, the beer's pasteurized, it's right. stable post ferment into fermenter post fermentation into a bottle it would be a stable beer. Stable beer, whereas some. Uh, Packaged sours, a lot of packaged sours and wild beers still contain live culture in the bottle. Sour mash beer would be intact. Right. Now, the benefit of a sour mash beer and its low pH is it will maintain some stability, uh, definitely more than, than, than some, some other styles, uh, especially in the, in the light category. But obviously, right. most of our packaged stuff for those bottle releases are pretty relatively high gravity and um, barrel aged and um, uh, that's just a style we, I feel, excelled in. 
maybe um, maybe we can get a collaboration with Urban Artifact or one of those breweries that does sours. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and we we've done sours. I mean, the Goza we've yeah. done with Mad right. twice now, Madman, which was fantastic. Um, we, so we did Colonel Plug, which was the Kentucky Common. Julia, Julia, sour Belgian blonde. So we we've dabbled. Right. But um, when when we're doing that, um, sour mashing is absolutely something I want to delve deeper into. Uh, because natural, that, that, naturally that inoculated wort was, was amazing. Oh yeah, sour it's, match raspberry porter was fantastic. fun. Um, absolutely a uh, uh, a beer that I, I didn't really have a reference point for. So uh, that could have gone all sorts of directions. Thanks. We've got some friends taking off for the night, and we appreciate them coming by. So, I, you know, it's it's. Do you think that that is? Is it a trend? Is that the way beer is shifting? Is that sours? Yeah. Well, I, I Versus, think you know, you I think it's, a, it's, new it's something new to explore for Americans. Yeah, new is a trend. Um, when you get to a point where you've had every great stout or barrel aged stout, right? Um, I, I, I have yet to to run into a, a craft beer enthusiast that that's drinking the same thing on a weekly basis. Right. So the fact that a lot of breweries at this point are New, releasing new sours and ex- building sour brew facilities. Uh, people are trying what's new, and right now that's sours, and I love sours. So I, I myself will, will drink drink as many as I can find. Um, but uh, that's will continue to shift. Right. And but uh, that being said, there's going to be breweries dedicated specifically to sours. Specifically to to darker beers, so uh, hopefully we get a lot of specialization um, as we go forward, rather than um, just kind of blanket styles um, that, that kind of were the bulk of beers for the past ten years. Right. That would be fun, wouldn't it? If yeah. the breweries became more specialized. You talked about one in Kentucky that's supposed to specialize in dark beers. Yep, yeah, dark darkness. Yeah, we just we talked about darkness. Yeah. darkness. But they tell me, they tell us last week that they really and the uh, the beer they brought us was pretty much white in color. I mean, yeah, it was they, they, gray they, in they, color. Right, they brought us a they brought us a rye vice, a rye hefeweizen, okay. which was the bomb. Amazing, it was okay. out of this world it's and crazy. and and that's what they said. They said for the tap room, we're going to brew all kinds of stuff. And then they discussed for their packaging, for their bottling, uh, they're gonna, they were going to, you know, try to stick with the darker beers, which makes sense, as you mentioned. They're more stable. They're, you know, they're, they they last longer. They can be cellared. So, that, you know, what you've been discussing as far as stability in the package mm-hmm. has, is is I guess, you know, part of what's well, and and, and cans and bottles alike. Um, I, I, again, uh, the, the beer can be as stable as possible, but um, it's really up to, to the, the people then facilitating the retail sale to make sure they're educated to the point that the beer is being properly stored, rotated, served. And I unfortunately ran into three beers from three different renowned breweries uh, this weekend in Philadelphia that um, were all spoiled. What you get from even Cincinnati. (laughs) (laughs) So, so let's put a fine point on this then. I think, as a suggestion, it would be 
behoove people that are interested in fresh craft beer to drink a local. either e- either drink yeah d- definitely, drink, no, definitely local. drink local. B, if you can find the source, find it and go get it there. Go and then the and then if not, for sure to uh, to frequent uh, a good bottle shop, a yep. good a good craft beer centric bottle yeah, shop. And in, in a lot of cases, more is not better um, when it comes to that, when it comes to the, the proper movement of beer, but also when it comes to options. There's a lot of beer out there, and at a certain point, I almost want it curated. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to walk into a sea of beer and go, well, this looks good, and that looks good, and awesome resources on the internet to help guide you towards beers. Right. But we almost need a, a DJ. Well, I think the I think the best <laughs> bottle shops, and I've got a couple in mind, you know, uh, that we'd like to get on this show at some point and discuss that. Do that, and yep. they keep an eye on the freshness, and they keep an eye on the on the on the dates, and they keep an eye on the styles that they stock more of rather than less of, and and they just don't try to get, you know, yep. as much as they can and sell it well, to people. And I think a lot of that, as far as the, the get it all, is a response to the fact that there is kind of a, a very uh, sterile environment when it came to the beers, craft beers you could get at any given place. But now we have fewer and fewer excuses to drink things that aren't from around right. here. That's that's where I struggle. I mean, I live next to one of the biggest bottle shops around here, Jungle Gems, and it's that's that's where I do all my shopping. But I walk in and I. I hit the local aisle, and I don't even look at the other aisles anymore. Yeah. It's like there's there's too much locally to drink that's fantastic. I'd like to that think that the the, the cra- local beers are going to start displacing the national craft beers. That's in, here's in hoping. Sports, here's you know? hoping. <laughs> well, and, uh, there's a the real drive toward the local thing absolutely. Is, is, is strong. Yep, and and uh, local breweries. You're talking to us right now, and you're having conversations with breweries all over the rest of the city um, and I, because of just the, the economics and physics of it we're making beer for you right so uh, well, I think that's something that a customer <laughs> likes me. too is they yeah. can walk in somewhere and we, we meet have to, the person we have to who respond makes their beer <laughs> or yeah. who you know meets yeah. the owner of where they like to drink yeah. I think that's a very awesome community we don't have thing. to worry about a dozen breweries all across the country making the same damn dumb thing do we Nope. Nope. And 18 breweries, 19, 20 breweries now, Cincinnati, making... And, and, and going, and going and, up. And going up. Yeah, any quickly given, going up. Making at any man. given time, uh, we'll say, nine, ten beers. Um, you have 200 beers to choose from today yeah. made in the city. That was not possible five, six years ago. There were some, including us. But, uh, yeah, there, there's less and less of, it, of an excuse not to drink something made down the street from you. I mean, you just look at, you know, everybody's talked about those, you know, the collaboration beers for, for Cincy Beer Week and how just that list every year gets bigger and yep. bigger oh, yeah. and bigger. And it's, yeah. it's, it's fun to see. It, yep. It's exciting. It's a good time to be thirsty. It's a really good time <laughs> to be thirsty. All right, gentlemen, hold that thought. I think we've got a little bit more ground to cover. But first of all, I would like to point out that we are very proud that – sorry, I'm off mic – uh, we are proud tonight uh, to show you that we have a beautiful banner for Cincy Brewcast here tonight. It has been tweeted, and it's also we, live on Periscope. We, we would like to uh, thank uh, 
Don Hall at Eastgate Custom Graphics for, for providing this to us tonight. And we would like to welcome them as the inaugural sponsor of Cincy Brewcast. And I just want to tell you real quick, Eastgate Custom Graphics is your one-stop shop, not only for banners, but for all kinds of silk screening and embroidery on t-shirts, hats, polo shirts, and so much more. No job is too big or small for Eastgate Custom Graphics, from one item to orders in the thousands. They are the team apparel specialists that can put together a winning look for your adult or youth sports team, from custom, de custom design t-shirts for your beer league team, to full uniforms, including gear bags and hats for your elite sports club. ECG can also give your employees a truly professional look with custom, custom embroidered workwear, and they are the only place to go for school spirit wear. They have all the schools in the Anderson Union Township area and even have hard-to-find items like official gym class uniforms and pro-style caps. Eastgate Custom Graphics is located at 4459 Mount Carmel Tabasco Road, right next to St. Veronica Church. Talk to Don Hall or any of the fine folks at ECG at 513-528-7944 or visit www.ecgraphicswithanx.com and customize your look today. But the big question is, can I get the Gnarly Gnome logo on a pillowcase? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. John, Absolutely. Don, uh, hook Don, me up. Don will hook you up with a Gnarly Gnome. That's weird. Why? That is weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you what can the I earlier admitted to having a dead bat in a jar. What the I'm a weird hell person. is going on over there? As of next week, you can order it on the gnarlygnome.com. <laughs> she just wants it for resale value. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It All will right. be one of a kind. I can tell All right. You. <laughs> All right. You people calm down. That was kind of hard. I, I wrote that when Get I was... you one for Christmas. I wrote that this afternoon when, when I hadn't sober. had four or five beers. <laughs> Uh, it's harder, harder to read. Anyway, uh, we are being joined again. Uh, once again, welcome to Cincy Brewcast. My name is Mike Cisneros. So I'm joined by the Gnarly Gnome and Tina Cisneros. We are coming to you live from our first live show. Let's go! At Listerman Tipple, Triple Tipple Triple Dibble. At Listerman Triple Digit Brewing Company. Go home, you're drunk. <laughs> On Dana Avenue in Norwood, and we are joined by the uh, patriarch of Cincinnati Craft Brewing, Dan Listerman, uh, his, head brewer, his head brewer, Patrick Gilroy, and his uh, Jason Brewer, who is the his sales and distribution. Yeah, that's how it works. Jason, Jason D. Brewer, as we heard earlier this evening. He's never brewed a drop. He has a quota on the times of the month he can use that joke. He's has it been three hit? three tonight. Yes. So. <laughs> The rest of the month's going to be smooth sailing. <laughs> so um, I ask a lot of the new people that I've interviewed this question, and I, and a lot of times I, I use this one to wrap up the interview, and I don't necessarily want to do that because we I think we've got a little bit more ground to cover here. But I ask them, what what is your measure of success? And you have attained... I think a, a dream, you know, any any new craft uh, craft brewery or any. Are you talking you, about me? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. You are living the dream, Dan. Yes, are, aren't like you? It? Aren't you living <laughs> the dream? <laughs> well, what the hell are we doing here then? <laughs> See ya, pack up, it's over. Gee, many Christmas. This is not the dream. <laughs> so that's a mushy question, I guess. But I mean. It, 
that's what I ask a lot of people. Some people say, well, we just want to be accepted by our peers or we want to be accepted by the community. I mean, do you feel like all that's happened for you? I, I'm capable. I have a camp on a river in Indiana, and I'm capable of spending a lot of time there, and I've got people here who can take care of my business. And I appreciate the crap out of that. <laughs> and that's one measure of success. That's, hey, that's fantastic. That's awesome. Just the fact that you can find people that you trust. Absolutely. To take care of to my, carry on my business, business right, right. Is, 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 so, is so important. I, I think of myself as quasi-retired. I show up about every day. But I show up late and leave early. <laughs> Never work weekends. And, and you've got a distraction over here with these uh, half a dozen or so ta eight taps, eight ten yeah, taps. Yeah. You've got over Smoke here. Rock was on. We have a much. Oh, I know. <laughs> that's why it's not around here. There's the German. He said he was. I told him. He said. He said earlier before we went. That we can't, we started recording. He said I'm missing German class to be here tonight. I said, Well, you better be good. And you, you have been more than good. You've been outstanding. So. No, no. That's that's my favorite beer. And these jerks think it's seasonal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so going back to that measure of success, you know, you know, I, I think we've done a lot of things here that a lot of our peers haven't done. You know, we won a medal at Great American Beer Fest. We we do some fans <laughs> at. We have the highest rated um, year-round beer in Cincinnati. If you want to take Chicago. great beer as a a measure of success for how good your beer is. Um, but you know, I, for me, the measure of success is I've never once called in sick. You know, I always wow. look forward to coming into work every day. And as long as that continues. You've looked funny a few times. Well, <laughs> <laughs> a few times. <laughs> Some of those times have been your fault. <laughs> so, you know, as long as that continues, I, I feel If like he's going to get penalized for looking funny. Oh, no. <laughs> Just wait till the monocle comes. So you, you mentioned Great American Beer Festival, and I have a question about a story that I heard about Great American Beer Festival. Is it true that you forced Greg Cook from Stone to try Chacao? <laughs> That's true. All right. <laughs> <laughs> his response was that it was pleasant? Uh, yeah, he really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, wasn't, weren't beers like snuck in secretly without um, We may or may not have taken it to a bar. <laughs> If if no, we didn't take it to a bar, and no, we didn't. This whole it to a this whole show is interview. like is it, it's all fiction. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's and uh, no, he didn't drink it. Well, <laughs> and uh, he, no, he didn't have very nice things to say. <laughs> Sergeant Schultz, I know nothing. <laughs> well, the story I heard, Dan, was that you weren't very keen on having any of the beers taken to Great American Beer Festival. No, that's not, that's not really true. I, I, I'm, I'm not enthralled with the idea, but, you know, the, I think I think there was the, the smoked Bach beer was a revelation to these gentlemen. They, they're not smoked beer fans, okay? And uh, they, they saw that, that really well caught a lot of people out there. Well, some, some smoked beers are horrifying. I haven't found it yet. <laughs> <laughs> right, and some is basically some just like beers. adding liquid smoke to the I've, I've had beers like that and enjoyed them. <laughs> wow. Yeah, fire bacon smoke pretty smoky. Uh, the fire bacon smoke box, which will be back 
any given time. <laughs> any given time. Um, uh, is probably one of the most traditional beers we absolutely. make. It, absolutely. It's a, absolutely. It's, it's the most traditional I, beer we make. I have to say, for my brother's wedding, we had a case of Friar Bacon. Oh, very nice. And it was the first case gone. Oh, yes, yes. It's the first whatever, beer. Whatever that means. We have lines at Beer Fest all around the as country. As long as you may. For, for <laughs> our beers. Absolutely, that one and, and the peanut butter beer. So, you know, it's a great beer to, to introduce people to, to what we do. Can I tell them about the peanut butter beer? Sure. They did that totally behind my back. <laughs> this one that I'm drinking right yeah, now? Yes. I'm, I'm I had an absolute one at one on tap here. That's when I found out about it. <laughs> I was, in, I was furious. Furious. <laughs> absolutely furious. I'm happy to be wrong. <laughs> so let's talk about the festivals. You guys have been at the forefront of promoting Cincinnati craft beer uh, with your festivals. Yep. Uh, proto- prototypical in a lot of ways. Uh, how did that come there about? There is nothing like a Listerman's Beer Festival. I'm just saying. <laughs> it, Amen. It, it's the a Cincinnati craft fun. beer festival. It's, no, yeah, okay, Can you have more fun with your clothes on? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, no, absolutely not. Is, there's a penguin coming to Volksfest? Yes, yes. We're looking for a large console television don't to put it on, okay? Oh wait, beer menu? Penguin. 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 Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you have any any concerns? I mean, yes. So the point. Going going back to your your question, you know, it really it really started with um, with Dan and his German heritage, and you know, he's a hundred percent German. I'm a Natürlich. And something like that. And what German doesn't want to throw his own Oktoberfest? (laughs) (laughs) So. We did that, and, you know, we kind of internally debated on whether it would just be us and, and decided how much more fun it would be with all of our friends. So, um, just and, through the and first And that being month. said, the first Oktoberfest, all of our friends was a very small, yeah. small number. Yes. Small number. And that was my first exposure to, to all you guys, was volunteering at that first festival. So I think it was eight beers on tap there. And the past, this one, which is our eighth festival, the Volksfest is coming in July, will be our ninth. And this October, the Volksfest is All-Star Weekend, July 10th and 11th. We are ninth overall festival, and this October Fest will be our 10th festival, which is crazy. It's insane. Uh, but at Stark Beer Fest, we had 20 beers on tap at one time. That's 20 one, breweries. One from every Cincinnati yeah. brewery. Right. So um, what contributed to the – I know it's generally held in August, Volksfest. So what, Volksfest. Volksfest, excuse me. Yeah, Volksfest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Actually, it would be pronounced Volksfest. Volks. I'm, I'm not going to do that. What contributed to the decision to make it All-Star Weekend? How do you think attendance will be affected by All-Star Weekend? I think it's going to be a, a, a huge boost. You know, uh, We have all everyone coming in for the All-Star Game, and they, you know, their, their beer tourism is growing here. And, you know, you... Breweries, some are close. Like we're close to Madtree, you could visit both of us. But you know, you want to go out to Rivertown or Mount Carmel. You know, those are pretty far away. When you can come to one place and all of it be here, and it's also six miles, seven miles from downtown. Right. So it's just it's just a great place to to, to come and see all of the local breweries and and also get some great um, of the, the food trucks that are all. Cincinnati and also the brewers. Some all every brewer comes. <laughs> the idea well, came legal and non-legal yeah. type. The, the, <laughs> the idea came. My, my son was in the army in Germany, and he talked about the uh, local villages having Volksfest. 
And, I'm not going to say it still. And uh, so, so we thought, well, I thought that would be kind of fun to do that. Well, Stark Beer Fest, that would be strong beer off Deutsch. And uh, that's a thing done usually in Lent, uh, the, but the single breweries do it for themselves. So, But we can't really do that, so we decided to have everybody come down to have Stark Beer. That's a celebration of Double Bach. And wasn't that invented because the monks brewed Yeah, yeah, you don't want to you don't want you don't want to eat during Lent. Of course not. You want to drink. You want to drink. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes, absolutely. Patrick, something you said struck me and and so I want to ask you about this. Your first exposure to Listerman, mm-hmm. triple digit was working as a did you say a volunteer right, right. at one of the yeah, volunteer at uh, the first Oktoberfest yeah. they held. Now that being said, I was familiar because this was my homebrew shop. Uh, I came here and got my homebrew ingredients the day after I turned 21. <laughs> and uh, the well, that's funny. We were here. Brew. We were, we were here when we were 18. Yeah, I understand <laughs> that. He was, he was buying sugar. It's not my business. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, I, I was around uh, buying homebrew ingredients, and uh, just all of a sudden that started two-barrel brew house back there and just buying homebrew ingredients all along and seeing this happen and then this festival comes up and somebody at the register mentioned they're looking for volunteers and uh, I live close enough I can I can hobble over here so uh, yeah that was my the first time I formally met uh, all the people behind the scenes at the brewery uh, and uh, two months later um, I was in the brewery <laughs> so it's a, it's so, a great, so it, it's like a kid starts out as a bat boy for the Cincinnati Reds and you know, yeah. several years later, he's playing third base and batting cleanup. Oh, I'll take that analogy. <laughs> I mean, how, how, how does one get to that point? Um, I don't know. Oh, you were a coffee roast. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, I was, I'm familiar with craft beverages in general. I was in the coffee he's industry got the taste for, buds. Okay, for, for 10 years. Um, both, of the, both as a, a professional barista and, and coffee roaster. Um, then that passion for, for coffee easily translated to beer as soon as I was legally allowed to drink and make it. Um, and uh, I'm sure before you were legally allowed. Yeah. But that being said, the, the opportunity arose. And when they put the job posting out here for an assistant brewer uh, two and a half years ago, um, I jumped on it. I was like, yes, this is absolutely something I, I would like to, to do. Um, and yeah, and ended up brewing beer here on our two-barrel system two years ago, and uh, or two and a half years ago, and uh, have been on our 10-barrel system now for just about two years. And they're, tr- and, and they're all trying to get you. Mm-hmm. If, what, if what Dan says is true, they're all trying to, I'm to, saying to I'm, pick I'm, you I'm, up. I'm pretty got right now. <laughs> <laughs> so when a lot of people ask us uh, questions about how we got these jobs and how yeah, all, all you kids out there how, that want to be craft brew, in the craft beer really, brewing it's, business. It's, it's volunteering, it's hanging out at the breweries, being, being a regular, asking the right questions. And, you know, Drink Patrick beer. volunteered at the, the brew festivals. When he came up for the interviews, we instantly knew who he was. I hung around here long enough and volunteered here, and Dan decided to start paying me. Um, <laughs> our new delivery driver was a, is a regular in our tasting room. Who else am I thinking of? Uh, Kurt. Well, Kurt's got a little bit different than everybody else because Dan's not first month. So either be born under, uh, be related to Dan or, you know, just be, have your face be known, like be a regular right. 
Well, and, and, and for, for small businesses like us where uh, time is very, very important, um, when it comes to interviewing and talking to people and stuff, um, we need to make sure we're comfortable, very comfortable with the people uh, we work with. We want to really know them. Uh, it's really tough to, these days to, to have, invite somebody into a small environment and just assume that it's going to work and that oh, your priorities are going to be the same. So that level of comfort and familiarity and just really we all kind of thrive and are fueled by passion. We need that same level of passion. So, and I mean, you don't want to put necessarily like a super businessy word on it, but it really is all about networking. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. You don't want to put it's, the business. It sounds like these guys just drank a bad it's beer. Sh- shaking hands, drinking, letting people see. I mean, who it's, you are. it's always about not what you know, it's who you know. If we see two identical resumes, then we get a lot of very good <coughs> resumes for everything that we put up there. You know, who are we going to hire? The person we already see. 10 hours a week because they're drinking at our tasting room, coming to our events. Sure. That person who I have no idea who they are. Absolutely. You know, you, you, know, you look at every brewery is doing the same thing. You know, again, time is very valuable, so you're going to trust the people you already know. So, awesome. Networking, drinking, same thing. Because, yeah, because after all, you know, and you want people that are familiar with the product. Exactly. Your product mm-hmm. and your customers. Yeah. And well, and, and, and it is a very popular industry right now. So, so any any job that you go for in the brewing industry now, you're up against a, a lot of people. Um, so having that, having that just relationship absolutely goes a long way, and that can be said for many right many businesses. I think absolutely. the better word, the underlying whole uh, kind of crux of the uh, JM step up. What? Sure, I think I think. Um, instead of networking, I think within the craft industry, I think the the uh, more appropriate word and the crux of it is this community. Mm-hmm. I think that um, a lot of these people are like-minded. A lot of people have the same passion, the same vision. Um, the guy sitting in the tap room drinking stuff off the tap, if he's a home brewer, at some point he's going to have the vision to be working in the back in the brew house. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Getting your palate built, getting your familiarity, and, and testing yourself on the homebrew scale definitely, if you end with the breweries, is going to give you a better shot to get where you want to go with things. And I know a lot of guys have started that way. Or st- or or starting their own. Yep. You know, starting their own business, starting their own th- their own brewery. I mean, there's so many of these guys that we've talked to, and then we discussed them earlier, Bob. From Fibonacci and, and the guys from Dogberry and that Bob shops here too. Yeah, I, I, well, I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, a, it's yeah, I mean, it's a, it's you know, if you are a craft brewer in this town, you have stepped, you have set foot, craft brewer, home brewer, you have set foot in this shop, Drinker. you have set foot in this tap room. Listerman <laughs> is the somebody who likes of to drink Cincinnati beer. It really is. Yeah, a, uh, <laughs> I would like another. Uh, Beer's the word. I, I would like. I would like another. <laughs> call it in Norway. I can't get enough of the Nor. I cannot get enough of the Norwood. I would. That good shit. Yes, So you're still getting your practice in. The important words. That's right. kind scheiße auf Norwood. Don't encourage it. Yeah, we, we just we just want everyone to know across the 
planet. Don't don't talk shit about Marvel. <laughs> Doesn't matter where you're from. <laughs> yeah, just don't don't do and, it. And again, Dan, you mentioned it earlier. There's there's room in the business. There's room for people in this is. business. I think there is. And, and Portland Portland's been at it for a while, but I think that's a fun. And they're saddled with having to serve food as well, aren't they? Yep. Yeah. So so every place that serves beer has to serve food in hot, Oregon. You have to have hot food available. So and I so say this like that, 90% confidently. Despite that, they they've got 60 or 70 yeah. breweries. Well, and I so Ohio is very friendly in right the now. city. Right. I went to Michigan in January and went to 15 breweries in three days and like what passed do you some up. About that? <laughs> <laughs> I remember a lot of driving, frankly. <laughs> um, but 15 breweries in three days in a whole state. Yeah. So just imagine what you, with what's in each city, and so I really. Oh, yeah, Michigan's done wonderful things way ahead of us. Yeah, and I mean, and we've kind of talked about it on the show before, where if you want, okay, so <laughs> so where if you want to be a craft beer destination, you have to have all those options. Yeah, what do you guys think about that craft beer destination? Well, it, I mean, I we all at various times find ourselves being moved about the country be it going to a friend's wedding in a state you're not typically in or just business trip for whatever reason on our list of priorities is where's the beer like what and you get a very good feel of whatever city you're in based on that Um, because none of the breweries in any given city are identical and they're not the same and they're in different neighborhoods and you get different tastes of the neighborhood in addition to whatever beers are being uh, brewed there. So um, I think right now um, that's, a, that's a very important part to the industry as a whole because I'm surprised at how many people come through our tasting room and are from out of town, many, many miles away or countries away. And for whatever reason, their priority when they were in Cincinnati was to visit some breweries. Do you get a good balance, a good, a good influx from uh, having XU so close by, uh, Xavier oh, University? Uh, a a lot of awesome faculty yeah. and staff. We um, don't get that many students, and that's okay. Well, that's, yeah. Right. Sure that's that's really really fine. Fine. Sorry, they get study groups. Yeah. It's a great right. place. We have Wi-Fi. Right. Um, and, uh, so they gave a test here one time. Yeah, one time. So <laughs> the entire class came in and took their test. Yeah. And then, of course, it can't hurt to uh, have the, one of the more successful Division One college basketball yep. programs. Uh, this past in your backyard season was our first season on tap in Cintas Center. Oh, that's um, right. Yes, that's because right. of D'Artagnan's deck, the craft right. beer uh, bar at uh, Cintas. So it's great to be across the street and um, people have their their four game beer and food here because we tend to have food trucks on those days. Uh, and then I tried to I, get I, our stuff across the street at the stadium. I, I worked one of the Savior games and tried to stop in here, and it was 50 yeah, deep they, at the they, bar. The, I, the, I mean, I had, I had to leave. I, I, mean, I, I was just like, uh, you know what, I can go get a beer. That's why we're expanding. It's not for nothing. I live within 100 yards of a craft brewery, so I can just go to Mount Carmel whenever I want and walk, yep. down, walk down there. and get You can't walk to Mount Carmel and then walk to a Xavier basketball game. No, but I'm a UC fan, so I would never walk to a UC. <laughs> That's <laughs> another couple of miles. Walks down shootout every other year. I'm right there with you. <laughs> All right. So guys. with with the, the expansion, are we still going to be drinking out of plastic cups? No. no. 
Are we no. finally getting actual glasses? Yes, yep. yes. I yes. like the plastic wow. cups. I think Tell it's a what, part we'll of the charm. Okay. <laughs> I think it's we'll part of the charm. Choices. I like the plastic we'll be very cups. Democratic I like the wooden about picnic this. tables. I yeah, think it's the a very rustic sort Dump of backyard feel, and I like it. I'm sorry? Do you like the bathroom? Oh, I love it. It smells just... No, 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 no. Wait a minute, Wonderful. wait a minute, wait a minute. We are spending real money to bring the bathrooms from 1927 to 19, 2015. To 1950? 1950. <laughs> you need to look where the bathrooms were. It's completely different. It's not done yet, but we're going to have two wonderful ADA compliant men's and women's bathrooms there. It'll be wonderful. Well, yeah, one per. One per. One per. As thus far, a, 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 until we have to deal with food somehow or another, okay, right. well, don't, just don't deal plants. with food. We, we try don't to avoid it. that. Don't worry about food, it. Food's, food's good. <laughs> food's hey, good, man. but food's good. As someone who awesome. regularly drinks her dinner, don't worry. We can take a tour of the bathrooms <laughs> if these things are mobile. This is not mobile. The bathrooms will be a revelation. No, the next. The next podcast here, we'll just post it. I need to take a tour of the bathroom here yeah, in a yeah. couple of minutes. Since he broadcast after hours live on Periscope, we will be taking a professional tour of the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned. All right, all right, all Come right. I think, I think it's. I, I think it's all started to degenerate to the point where right. I think we can probably Silliness. probably wrap, wrap it up. up. Any last words, guys? I mean, you have the floor. If you don't make your own beer, you'll have to drink somebody else's. All right. Yeah. And if you do make your own beer, you can still come here you and do come it. Come here and drink Toasterman's. Right. I was going to say, that's a terrible marketing gift. <laughs> <laughs> For the homebrew shop, it is. From, from the sales and distributing guy, it's a terrible marketing campaign. All right. Well, Dan, Dan. Listerman, Patrick Gilroy, Jason Brewer. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's as absolutely as much fun, if not more fun, than I thought it would be. And uh, we're so happy to have you guys tonight. And we'll have to do it again real soon. Hopefully we can one-up ourselves. (laughs) And again, the beer, you know, for me to tell people about Listerman beer is kind of stupid because I think everybody knows about Listerman beer in this town. But if you haven't been here, if you haven't come here, if you're a Bud Light drinker and you if you're a Bud Light drinker and you want to get out of that There's still some that, of those around. That if, horrifying, if you're a Bud Light drinker, there is a water cooler in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> that horrifying existence, come over here and drink a Norwood or drink a drink an Idle Mild or drink Cincinnati a Cincinnati Red. Red. Uh, Fryer bacon Rauchbach beer. <laughs> I don't think ease I would tell. In. I don't think I would. Yeah, ease yourself in. I don't think I would tell and, my and friend that very Bud Light to you. Drink uh, Rausch beer. And uh, Leopold, the Belgian Blondales on tap at the Great American Ballpark. Th- those are all gateway beers brought to you by your Cincinnati uh, brewer of extraordinaire and Cincinnati brewer of note and 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 again the makers. Triple digit of one of the one of the finest uh, dark high gravity beers in in the country, Chacal, uh, Listerman triple digit brewing, Dan Listerman, Patrick Helroy, Jason Brewer. Thank you guys so much for having us tonight. We really appreciate it. Cheers and uh, thank you. Cheers to you guys. And uh, that about does it.
Gnarly Gnome uh, on uh, GnarlyGnome.com. Is that correct? The Gnarly Gnome.com. The Gnarly Gnome on Facebook, on Twitter. At Gnarly Gnome. Everything. The yes. Gnarly Gnome. And Tina, you're going to serve us some uh, brunch we at have, River? We have Nutcase on draft at Brew River Gastro Pub. It will be completely horrifying to get it anywhere else but here. But we can, oh, maybe, well, we can maybe try. But again, if we you're, you're going to eat yourself one of those uh, bacon donuts, bacon-infused donuts that you have down there for breakfast, I think a nutcase would be an absolutely fantastic Absolutely. So I am, and, yes, and I'm Brewer a Brewer. has been a great, great supporter of us. I actually uh, think that's how I got the job, was being like, I like Listerman beer. Like, okay, <laughs> here you go. Come on. Um, so, yeah, Brewer River Gasher Pub. Um, most nights. See you there. And uh, so that about wraps it up for the Gnarly Gnome and Tina Cisneros. This is Mike Cisneros. You've been listening to Cincy Brewcast. Live. Live from Listerman's in Cincinnati, the voice of Cincy Craft. <laughs> <laughs>